So, are there any good video games this time of year, or...? That's the dumbest thing you've ever said. Well, you idiot. answer the question. Is there, you is idiot. there any, has there ever been any good video games you stupid, this time of year? You stupid, idiot. This is the video game season. What makes it such a video game season? That's right before the holidays. This is where everything comes out. Oh, yeah, out. sometimes they do get games that come out here. And then there's sometimes new consoles that come out around this time. I mean, Destiny comes they, out soon, right? Destiny Beyond uh, Light. Cyberpunk 2077, everyone's Destiny Beyond Light most exciting out. game. When is that? I'm really excited. Destiny Beyond Light. Off. What is that? 11 no, uh, November 12th? November 10th. 10th? Remember when we originally said that there's uh, going to be a Destiny where there is darkness versus light, uh, and the Guardians would be able to take on the darkness, and like... We said this immediately Six years ago? following the story of Destiny 1, where you meet, like, the Stranger. That that was their name, yeah. right? The Stranger. Yeah. The one who could uh, not, who did not have time to explain what they did not have time to explain. I don't even have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, so we've been saying that for a while. Are you going to, you know, you going to look at that? I was, I mean, I was almost thinking about, like, I, I don't dislike just playing destiny for um the cool like uh the story actually and just the set pieces at these days and because i've always liked it like i i think that a lot of i think that a lot of people would uh be surprised for a long time i think even in like destiny with the like the original destiny um it was kind of i think a lot of people thought of it as like a, as as like a joker just too hard to follow and too arcane kind of like a dark souls thing where people like the characters are talking but it's not really about anything but i always really liked it i always really liked um just the the general atmosphere and uh even reading like the codex like the lore bits that were outside of the uh the actual game so yeah. what i i i, I wouldn't i, I, like I, those I gun designs man i yeah. like i like finding an exotic weapon and equipping it and just seeing what it does it. like yeah the first time it feels good an exotic and you shoot it just there's a satisfaction there. Mm-hmm. Uh, reminds me of Borderlands, which I'm actually excited because Borderlands is getting Borderlands Three is getting another update where they're adding a new skill tree for every hunter, uh, or what? What do they call them? Vault vault hunters, hunters, right? Yeah. Uh, so right. I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, that game got better. They've been patching that game every two weeks. Really. Um, which also is indicative of the fact that that game came out and it was like pretty busted in a lot of ways. It was like glitchy. It had poor performance. And it's like, I, I guess that this is also true of Borderlands 2, but the best Borderlands is the one that you wait for, where the DLC has come out, new characters have come out, updates have come out. So they've been adding weapons. They've been adding, uh, they've been cleaning things up, you know, They've been doing events and things like that. So really? Like, at, at this point, Borderlands 3, probably pretty solid. I liked it when it came out, but it just kept getting better and better. I can uh, imagine yeah. liking it, uh, uh, but I, I was off-put more by, I don't know, the humor. Or which, the lack thereof. Uh, which is, you know, that's a difficult problem to overcome. But It is, yeah. But on Destiny, like I, I think we, we all, we, we both fell off more because we just didn't have time, or we didn't want to get, like a guild or a group together, that, like raiding in it general. Really is for me, and, and it's crazy also because I think about the fact that like, at this point, I'm routinely, um, 
like playing games with a group of people. And, and I think that at this point, I, I could actually organize a, a, a raid group because you, me, Nate, Kevin Cruz, and uh, Sean Cruz, that's five people already that all play Destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're one person off from having a raid group. Yeah. Something we, to think about. Isn't, yeah, it's, it wouldn't be impossible to do these days. But it is it is weird just to, the general ways that raids work where you have to coordinate everyone being on at the same time and feeling bad if you miss it for the week. And, you know, there's... I mean, that's okay because it's also like I coordinate 10 people to get online for Among Us. Yeah. Well, it, it, it does feel a little bit different. And it's a little bit more cash. Like, re- Destiny would if be like... Like, you got to get on time to every do week, it. Like it's... You're becoming robotic. So Lighthouse was Okay, no, you're, you're not robotic anymore. Or, uh, that was three people, though. This is because we would always get to the lighthouse. Am I right? Oh, the, I don't know what happened there. I think you cut out for Remember a Remember where if you got to uh, nine wins before you lost three times, you got to go to the lighthouse where you got, like, exotics and, like, rewards. And it was, like, a social space that only people who were really good at the trials could get to. Mm-hmm. And so we did it. pretty sweet. Yeah, we, we did, did it multiple it. times. We did it several, several times. That was three. That's three people, though. Yeah, a little bit more, a little bit more doable, a little bit more easy to get three people on. Um, I don't know where does time go, but I do agree with you that we, we actually have been getting pretty consistent uh, group of people on for Among Us and Valorant and stuff like that. So it's not totally outside the question, but it does. But the collection, the collector uh, and completionist in me. It would be upset to hear that there that there's that uh, like the season ended and that there's all these um, exotics I guess that probably that went away forever. Yeah, I mean, me personally though, I only need to see the raid once. Like I like to get through it, and if I like it enough, if it's a good enough raid, if it's fun, then obviously you know people will keep coming on, keep coming back to do it again. And if it's not a good raid, well, at least you saw it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, I've got plenty of stuff to play. Uh, outside of Destiny. What stuff do you have to play? I've been playing Hades still. Yeah, I gotta go back to that. I haven't played that in a little while. So we talked a little bit about Heat in Hades, which is uh, once you beat the game, they have these modifiers that you could keep stacking. And actually, finishing the game the first time, I, I guess you could say it puts a bow on it. Like, you'd be okay to put the game down and say, like, I got to an end, right? It's not going to be the end because you get to the end, something happens, and it reveals to you that you need to keep playing mm-hmm. to see more of the story. Yes. Well, you can keep playing, and eventually you will get a set of credits and like a more satisfying, interesting ending. Uh, but separate from that, um, one thing that I want to talk about, and it's not not really a spoiler, but if you're sensitive to spoilers no i don't i I, story-wise i'm not that interested in hades i'm just more interested in how every couple of runs something new would happen so one thing that's really neat about hades is uh you mentioned this before once you beat the game uh you get these modifiers for weapons um and by default like there's um the zagreus aspect so there's the base aspect of the weapon and then there are two different ones right so an example of this would be uh, with the sword, after doing a slam attack, you get increased criticals on your basic attack for three seconds. Stuff like that. However, uh, there is a locked aspect, uh, the fourth aspect of every weapon, and it totally changes the weapon. Like it, 
the moveset completely transforms into something else uh, for every weapon. So it's like you get a, a new bow that's like totally different from the other bow. You get like a new shield. You get so you're essentially getting once you unlock these aspects, seven new weapons. Mm-hmm. So the amount of like content that you're getting there is nuts. Like just and then it's like it's opening up a whole new wave of possibilities of like oh man I can't wait to see how this aspect of shields is going to work with like if I find Demeter buffs or I I get the 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 Titan like the hammer what does that do because once you unlock those weapon like uh those new weapon aspects the hammers that you get which upgrade the weapon those are going to start giving you different things as well right because the old versions aren't uh completely copacetic uh with the with the new weapons so ooh, it's it's just so exciting how um like like you're you're much later uh than me Uh, how much better are the uh the the boons like how much like what's the kind of average boon you find is it of like blue rarity the average boon that I find, well, well, it depends because uh, I can't really talk to. There are, there's characters that you have yet to meet um, that will give you trinkets that will start to upgrade boons. Uh, I don't know if you've unlocked the later mirror uh, buffs, but there are mirror buffs later on that just give you like X percent chance for uh, boons to be upgraded to yeah uh, blue. And then there's a later version of that, which is X percent chance that you'll find legendary and duos. By the end of a run, I usually have uh, at least one legendary buff and one or two duos. Very, very good game, but I feel like it segues into something else. So I, I, I need to, I do want to play more of that. Because, but I do got to say, I mean, I didn't know this, but I thought I figured I assumed that each uh, god would have one legendary boon, but that's not true. Uh, they have more than that. Uh, one of the cool ones that I saw recently was Poseidon has a boon where all of your knockback effects proc extra times. What? Uh, yeah, proc so extra time. It, so it's like a dub. So all of your knockback effects knock like double, double or triple. Yeah. That is really cool when, when you start to see more because I do feel like every once in a while I see a new boon that I've never seen before. Yeah, and at this point, like, I have, like... And you could target specific things, because once you start getting, like, the gods' charms, uh, you can make the run more deterministic in what you pick up. So uh, there's a specific version of the shield that I really like, where you send it out, and it stays out, and it just keeps, like, spinning in one spot. And I really love just, like, putting lightning bolts on it, so I could just like throw it at the at like an enemy. It just like keeps spinning and keeps shooting lightning bolts at them. And then I just like run around. And I haven't lost a run with that yet. So I like that I could just keep cranking up the heat level and see how far like this one busted synergy can take me. That's pretty dope. Yeah. But yeah, roguelites, am I right? Roguelites. So I've also been playing uh, something a little bit different. Uh, it's this game called Noita. How long? I which, feel like I've seen that for a while on Steam, but how? So how long has that been? It is uh, just released 1.0 version uh, two days ago, three days ago, two or three days ago this week. Uh, Noita 1.0. I played this a bit in early access. It was in early access for maybe a year, but this game has been shown at trade shows 
uh, for many years. Um, so originally, they the uh, the 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 shtick, the the sort of gimmick, and it's not really a gimmick, uh, but the idea is that every single pixel of the world is simulated. So every pixel of like dirt and gravel, gunpowder, water, whatever, reacts and responds to what you're doing. Um, so if you like do an explosion, like you could see like the water splashing everywhere. Uh, if there's if you're like near these wooden structures, the wood will burn. And then you'll even one thing that's really cool is the way that the the background interacts with it, where you start to see like parts of the background that you can't even interact with start like crumbling and cracking and falling apart. Uh, but the idea of Noita is it is a roguelite or roguelike, I don't know, whatever you want to call is, it. Well, is it, well, it, does it, like, what saves uh, the, between runs? What you find, the, the idea of, like, you have a running codex of items, and that codex expands as you find things. But you're not starting off the run with, like, uh, more powers. Uh, and later, I, I, you can unlock, like, a secondary game mode, uh, which is, like, nightmare difficulty once you beat the game. So... In Noita, you are a wizard, and every game you start with, like, a random beginner wand, which will have, like, a set of, like, baby abilities, and then you'll have one utility wand, usually, like, a TNT or, like, a rain cloud wand, and then you'll have a potion, and the potion will be, like, water or acid or pheromones or levitation juice. So it's, like, you're always starting to run with, like, that base set of items. And then you're just like going in and you're finding new wands and you're finding new potions. You're trying to kill as many enemies as you can as you get down to uh, the bottom of this level where you get into like a, a teleporter, which will teleport you to like a safe space. And once you're in the safe space, you'll refresh the spells in your wand. Uh, you'll get to move spells between your wands. And this is kind of where like a Path of Exile like system comes in because there are like support spells like there will be a spell that's like uh cast two spells at once in a forking pattern and you put that next to like a firebolt spell and like a saw blade spell and it'll shoot like a, a fire blade and a saw blade in like a forking pattern or something like that how many can you ca- like what's the limit on that because path has six so slots wands can have up to 20 slots oh my um, god but there are modifiers on wand. Like every wand is different in terms of like cast delay, uh, whether it shuffles spells, how many spells it'll cast at once. And after you, you know, essentially like in every safe space, you're either getting the idea, you're either going to like a wand shop or you're going to a spell shop. But even when you buy like a wand, you could like switch the spells out and just like piece together like your different wands to make something cool. And then after that, you get uh, you get to go to like the perk area, and you get to choose from one of three perks. And the perks are like extremely powerful. Uh, so there's I think around like three hundred spells. Three hundred spells? Yeah, there's three hundred spells, seventy five. How perks. could they be that there's different? Like, uh, that's insane. Well, when you have a game that's like, if you look at the game, like I aesthetically find it like pretty captivating, but it's really simple. Yeah, which really opens them up to all of these different ideas. But it's like one spell, uh, the spell that obviously you want in a game like this is Giga Black Hole, which just rips things out of the ground. 
Yeah, why wouldn't like, you want pulls that? them together? But it's like if you have like a bunch of like lava and like monsters and like it'll just suck everything together and all the lava will mix with the monsters. And you can make a dual giga black hole and a and fire giga black hole. Yeah. And if they're like acidic monsters, then it'll like everything will suck together and the acid will react with the fire and cause like a massive explosion. Uh, you can be in like ice caverns and shoot a fireball through like this giant section of ice and create like a landslide of ice and just like kill all the monsters that are like along it and just like get tons of gold. There are spells that just like shoot out giant boulders. Uh, spells that will you shoot it and it will grow a mushroom into anything so you could shoot it onto an enemy and the enemy will like start to grow a mushroom on it until it like explodes in spores there's like a spell that just like shoots out this little projectile that slowly grows into a death cross that just like burns the shit out of anything Uh, there's spells that just like make rain rain clouds which is like super useful because there will be like fire demons which are so impossible to kill like on level one like so impossible to kill but as soon as they touch water they just like get demolished and it's really important in this game to kill enemies because like the the thing about this game that's kind of weird is like you can hang around a level for a long time and just like grind it out and and your your primary resource uh is your health bar so typically you just want to go around a level for as long as you could survive it, killing as many monsters as you can just to get gold so that when you go to the rest spot, you have that gold to invest into spells and into wands. Is that is there a time like a time like you can continually no. go or Yeah. You just you just chill out and then uh once you go to the rest spot, you uh it, it's called the holy temple. Uh it and then once you uh, like pick up everything in the Holy Temple, it starts to collapse. Um, so you need to like leave pretty fast. But this game also will kill you so quickly because uh, you're not really safe to the spells that you're casting. Like oh, that's if you cast if you cast an electrical spell in a body of water uh, and you don't have electrical immunity, then you just die. Uh, that's really interesting. Shoot out, if you shoot out saw blades and uh you have like a magnetic perk then they'll just come back and cut you up so it is a a nasty brutal game uh and it's also really fun to watch like uh streamers my favorite yeah streamers uh because like the runs are like so fast and digestible and there's a streamer mode where essentially your chat can vote how long does a stream last or how long does a um run last about well, my runs last for about five minutes. <laughs> They're that <laughs> but, it's that rough. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, but I, but I, I would say that maybe every uh, floor lasts between five and I don't know eight or ten minutes. But I've only gotten to I, I've cleared three floors uh, in one run so far. But I, it's super addictive because um, you can just find one spell that allows you to spiral out of control so fast. Or you could just get a perk that's like, improves the speed of all your wands and, and suddenly you're just like vomiting out like laser beams everywhere and you feel invincible until you find an enemy that just like deflects laser beams and just shoots them back at you and it's like totally destroys you. Uh, 
but but it, it's the kind of game where you don't feel bad when you lose you just want to see the new so thing. exciting to see what happens next yeah exactly that does that sounds really cool uh, that's on that's on steam and i think it's pretty that's cheap it. right it's uh yeah it's it's uh probably 20 bucks 16 dollars. it's on uh sale for the next four days uh 20 off um extremely recommended there's I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there is nothing like this game. This game is so original, like so mysterious too. Like this is a game that people haven't figured out yet. And and uh, if you really love the game, uh, there's workshop support. Uh, tons of mods are already available. Uh, I'm not doing any mods until I get through the game like vanilla. But, you know, there's more spells. Uh, people have put in like uh, class mods so that there are different, like, you start the game as, like, a different wizard class with, like, a different loadouts. There's all sorts of mods available. Uh, this game rules. It's it's so cool. And, and it's the kind of game that can occupy uh, space alongside other games, right? Like, it's this is not a game that's going to demand a lot of your time. It's the game where you could play it for a half hour, for 15 minutes, and feel like you saw something or you did something really cool. And, and just like the amount of mysteries, like there, there is this like Dark Souls element to it of just like, what is this thing that I found? What is this enemy that I've found? What is this, like, how did I find this creature? I killed this creature and something amazing happened when I did it. Yeah, that's Noita. That sounds really cool. It's been a it's been a crazy time for roguelikes, huh? Because Hades just got yeah. one point uh, Spelunky two just came out. Yeah, did you see this game Crown Trick yet? Uh, I saw that, but I didn't. And that's also a roguelike. It it's, is. Is it, yeah, is it grid? Is it's a, like a grid based. Yeah, that's a traditional roguelike with a bit of. Well, it's not a traditional per se because there are um, progressive elements, so it is more like a roguelite. Um, I, I noticed but, that Rogue is on Steam, and it it classifies Rogue as a roguelike. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, Crown Trick, uh, I definitely want to check that one out because it's on um, Switch as well. And I'm, I'm looking for a, a Switch game to play after I play um, Hades. Um, so, yeah, this one, Crown Trick, is aesthetically just great. So I'm looking forward to checking out that one. So what else have you been playing? You know uh, what else came out recently? And I don't think we talked about this yet. I'm going to do a big cough. Do that cough. <clears throat> Is uh, Baldur's Gate three? Uh, yeah, I I played access. a little bit of that. It's kind of a broken mess. Oh yeah, it kind of is. It's unfortunate. Uh, it's unfortunate because uh, I I, I but felt that's like okay, it's early access, right? Yeah, but it but it I, it was it, it's a little bit more early access than I I think I would have thought. Do you know what I mean? Like um, uh, there's there's a lot of games that come out in an early access state, but they're uh. They're still like they're still like very playable, and there's a lot there. And then there's there's something like this where it feels like yeah, and, and uh, they say it straight up. There's like this game is broken. Yeah, please don't buy this game if you're expecting a lot. And they even reached out. They even said on Twitter like, "Wow, we sold a lot of this. You guys know this is early access, right?" And it's like totally busted. Well, that's kind of like that's un, that's like unfair. Like because everything it's difficult for consumers because. Uh, I guess that that the meaning of early access has changed a lot. Like a lot of early access games can be 
um, like not really too buggy or like in a in a very playable state. It's just that they're still kind of coming out with content for it, or it's like just literally incomplete. Um, I don't know. Well, like it's it's just a weird place to be more as a consumer. Um, because even when you hear sometimes like, oh, it's an early access, it's a, it's in a buggy state. Mm-hmm. Like plenty of games, they they claim that, but they're they you don't really notice it being um super buggy or unpolished. Just more just that like it needs like another six months in the oven, but they want to start making the money from it. Do they want to start making the money from it, or do they actually need feedback? Like, in this case, it, it certainly is the latter. Because in, there's in this game, this, there's certainly like. Larian Studios, who developed this, they did Divinity, Original Sin, and Original Sin 2. And those were games that also uh, were early access and, you know, saw a lot of benefits from, you know, that style of development. So I'm pretty confident in, in, you know, in, in them getting something out of this process. I I think that the, I think that it'll be good at some point. I don't, I'm not, I don't think that it's like a, uh, yeah. Also, like a, for a, what it's worth, this game is so beautiful. It like is gorgeous. Like it starts you right in the middle of of such a cool place where I feel like so many uh, games like this will start you off by killing like rats or boars, or you're like some like nobody with you are right like, about some those powerless rats. nobody. But in this game, it's like you start out by having a mind flayer put a monster into your eyeball and you're on top of this, you're chained up inside of this giant living ship that's flying through hell and you have to escape. So yeah. it's a pretty sick uh, setting. I do. I do like this game off. The, the, the character creator is also amazing uh, because they really lean into like the D and D uh classes of like oh you want to be a cleric well which god do you want to worship and based on which god you worship we're going to give you all of these different perks and abilities you want to be a hunter do you hunt uh people are you a bounty hunter do you hunt uh do you hunt mind flayers like is that what you, you hunt mind flayers do you hunt rare and exotic beasts and all of this like plays into uh what abilities you'll be able to have what things you'll be able to talk about in your narrative. You make your character's backstory. So if you're like a sailor, you'll be able to communicate with like, I don't know, like plebs and farmers or something like that. But the, the character creator is pretty robust. Also, you can make some really just good looking characters in this game. Yeah. Uh, they even have like stuff like where it's like, what do you, who do you dream of? Like your, like the love of your life. Like you get to, you get to make a lot. Like it's like that. I think is a good proof of concept of, of like actually really making uh, the, this backstory for your character. Um, that kind of, that kind of stuff I think is really cool, but uh, I, I, I don't know the, the, the game really quickly gets uh, super buggy. Uh, I was yeah, ha- like, it does. Uh, I, I was still on that like mind flayer ship. And then um, when you, uh, go to like the helm that they're trying to get you to go to, like the, the I guess like the the main kind of kind of controls of it, uh, and you're you're on top, like physically on top of the ship. Um, I don't know if it was just because so much was uh, was like running at once or something, but it really like could not uh, could not display everything. Like it just started to chug and it and it crashed. 
Uh, so I, I thought, like, huh, that's a good place to stop. And also, um, uh, it, it, getting the feel that it is so incomplete is, like, maybe uh, shelve this until it's feeling a little bit better, yeah. until it's a little bit more complete. So I, I will say that, like, the, the freedom of, like, there is some interesting, like, choices you get to make, like, pretty early on. And one one thing that really satisfied me is that uh, just the people that it let me kill. Like, there are people who are clearly very important that I was able to just, like, be like, okay, I'm going to kill these people and see what happens. So specifically what happened is uh, <clears throat> you get to this first uh, – spoilers, whatever, by the way, uh, for people who care. But you get to this first village, uh, which is – under siege by goblins and there is like this group of druids who are using this like protective spell uh to try to protect it and they brought in these like refugees these like tiefling refugees who like sort of don't belong there but you know the the druids feel bad about kicking them out and i was like okay so i wonder what happens if uh and you essentially get quests from the druids to like help them complete the spell and I was like, okay, so I wonder what happens if I kill the druids who are in the middle of casting this protective spell. So I did that, and the game actually like responded to it, and like essentially the the tieflings were like, okay, so essentially like the druids were like, oh shit, this area is not safe anymore. So the tieflings are like, okay, we're going to use this as an excuse. Uh, to take this grove over and kill all these druids and then like because i stopped the spell like a day later the whole uh area started to like rot and become poisonous and then like uh, that's about where i stopped because i was like okay this game is like responding in a really interesting way and i bet from there the goblins will attack but but i, I like the way that they let me do that <laughs> yeah that's really cool um it, you were saying that this is actually not the most terrible like this is this is a good logic and this is your logic uh that it's not the most terrible game to get into with early access because certain games like uh dead cells was in early access for a long time and you don't want to just play or hades actually is a good example too where you don't want to just get like sick of it uh at before they kind of add everything because once they add everything that you'll have a richer more complete experience but you might not be able to go back to that original feeling of everything is new and interesting once you've played a ton of it in, in early access and in complete form. But something cool about this game is that you can uh, play it in early access and then maybe do things that mm -hmm. you wouldn't do or like tank your game in dumb ways by like just re acting ridiculous or just acting out and seeing uh, what different consequences you can make happen because you could always just make a different character, make a different backstory, make uh, like a completely different run. Yeah. Yeah. So that is pretty cool. Um, but also this got me kind of interested in checking out uh, divinity original sin two again. And something that's kind of cool about divinity original sin two is that there's cross save between the PC version and the switch version. Yeah. So it's pretty neat. I So I just checked that out, and I just confirmed, like, yeah, the cross-saves work, and then I kind of put it aside because I'm playing so much other stuff, but I'll probably... I, I, I always want to go back to Divinity, uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, but when I was playing it, for whatever reason, it was just like... I was just dying in the very beginning. It was like, you were you do that thing where you're just fighting rats or whatever, but the rats are just mauling me. Yeah. 
I don't know. Give it another shot, maybe. Yeah, maybe I gotta like t- look up a tutorial or pay a little there bit more. Really maybe cool there's some really cool classes in that game. Also, they uh, Divinity Original Sin Two um, took some of the most popular mods and they put them into the game. Uh, things that just like help organize inventory or make items a little bit more interesting. That kind of stuff is built in. Oh, that's nice. Uh, so that's kind of cool. It's nice to hear. So. If you played it now, uh, things would at least be more interesting. And things will have changed, right? So that's kind of good. game has a lot of cool skill trees, that's for sure. What else are you playing? Hmm, what else am I playing? So, still playing Phasmophobia, but I don't think that there's much new they stuff to talk about. They uh, haven't done anything new with that yet, right? No, I mean, the thing is about that game is it was made by one dude. Yeah. One guy, apparently. Uh, and he has all of these ideas. Uh, and I hope that the first thing that he's thinking about doing before doing anything else is hiring people. Yeah, that's because that's important. Yeah, because also this game is built using a lot of like free assets that are available. I don't I don't know if it's like in the Unity store or if it's in like the Unreal store, but a lot of the stuff that's in the game is like stock. And, and also, I, I think they'll probably realize that the a uh, non-VR market is probably much larger than the VR market. So maybe they want to optimize around that instead of the game being sort of jury-rigged into uh, non-VR. Yeah. So that'd be cool. I have high hopes for that. I see a lot of people because... making... I Like, I, I can't get rid of people... I can't get away from people making content for it. And just, like, people mostly just screaming nonstop. What do you mean? Uh, uh, just like I don't YouTube. know. There's just like there's just really. I feel like there's. I it's. I'm not the the customer for this, but I feel like uh, this game has really spawned a huge contingency of YouTubers that just scream a lot and are like really afraid of it. Um, and it's like especially if you've been doing it that much. Come on now, like they're just One like too the... afraid to like go into the rooms alone or turn off the lights and stuff. And it's like you've been playing a hundred hours of this. You should you should be able to do that. I, I do watch, uh, there's one player who plays on um, Twitch, and he plays solo only, and he's like level 250, and he's not like afraid to walk into rooms, but like the ghosts definitely still get him sometimes. Like, yeah, I mean, anything's going to pop out. Pop out scares are going to get you. Yeah, but also that game does a really good job with the dread, with like the lead up to it, I yeah. think. So of like... You kind of know it's coming, and also by the time that, like, you're getting hunted and, like, scared, like, you kind of feel like you deserve it. Because you spend a lot of time in this game just, like, harassing this ghost and being totally rude. Mike Miller! Mike Miller! <laughs> and just Michael Miller. his name over and over. Yep. Uh, that's also like that. a game where uh, the in-game voice chat is pretty neat, because uh, the it echoes in a nice way, like, it... And uh, there's, like, local chat, and then there's, like, a global chat. The global chat happens through a radio. And uh, when you're getting hunted and the ghost is, like, starting to mess with the electrical equipment, your uh, m- your radio stops working. Yeah. How much of the, the like, uh, I-, I hear a lot of things about the voice recognition, and I don't know how much of it is scuttlebutt. Like stuff like if you curse, the, the ghost doesn't like that and stuff like that, or, or the ghost um, will um target people who like scream so if you're like if something like freaks you out or something 
then uh, it'll like ext- the, the ghost will extra target you more like rapidly or be more aggressive to screaming people. I don't know how much some of that stuff isn't is it, true. Isn't it fun that those kind of rumors can still exist? It, yeah, it is. It is kind of cool. Like it does. I guess it doesn't matter ultimately because if that if people are having those conversations, that's kind of a neat uh, gameplay mechanism to at least make people consider these kind of things and be like worried about. Like, and then that 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 almost in a cool way creates a, like the a um like self fulfilling cycle where it's like you're you're afraid you're more afraid to scream because if you scream the ghost could target you or something so maybe it it works on people who are who are even more afraid of it. But it's a cool game. Yeah, uh, excited to see what happens next. So, what else have I been playing? I mean, that's a lot of games, right? Valorant. Yeah, I've been playing a little Valorant. Ooh, you know what I played today before we get into playing Valorant? What? Uh, talking about Valorant is I played some Apex Legends. Oh, yeah, I saw you playing Apex Legends because you Ooh, were talking you know about... Crazy? You know what's crazy about playing Apex Legends is I've been shooting so much recently and I've been like, co- like thinking consciously about my shooting so much Yeah. that now I'm really good at Apex Legends. And yeah, Apex Legends in a while. seems a little bit easier to be good at. Not than like... And now I'm just like, I'm popping off. Like in the games I played, I was dealing so much damage. I was like popping off on people. Like my, because I've been just practicing shooting so much, playing so much Valorant. And it's cool that now I could just go back to Apex Legends and I'm just like, my tracking is insane. Like I'm nailing all, like I, I never sniped in Apex Legends, but now my sniping is like so good. Ooh. So it's been so, it was so fun. And it just made me miss that game so much. It's so different from Valorant. And also, it is so much more chill than Valorant. Yeah. Where it's like... One thing One thing that I think is You die is, and you just pretty, get to the next... Yeah, and one thing that I think is pretty neat about uh, Apex Legends right now is... I don't know if you know this, but they, they have cross-play now. So the hoppers are, like, full of life. Uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of the current uh, aesthetic of the Battle Pass... It's all about like um, I don't know, like almost like fashion. It's like a like fashion is the theme, or like I, like this weird like race car Formula One fashion aesthetic that is like bizarre to me. I do um, not. But like that's race okay. Cars, I don't think I'm, sure. I'm gonna. I don't know that I'll play it enough to do the battle pass. But one thing that I do like is duo queue is currently permanent. So uh, for the longest time, like Valorant was three players only. Uh, but now there's a queue for Apex. two players. Apex, yeah. Uh, now there's a queue for two players. So teams of two instead of teams of three. So the cool thing about this is that now if you queue up for trios, but you queue up alone, it's very unlikely that the other two people on your team are in a Discord. Uh, so essentially, all like every member of your team is like going in as a solo queuer, which I think is better. It's it's kind of more fun that way instead of like it's you and then two other friends. Mm-hmm. But I'm digging it. You know, there's been uh, they changed up the maps. Uh, I don't think I played enough to weigh in on those map changes yet. Um, there are some differences. Uh, I, I don't know the last time we talked about it, but there's also um, a crafting element to the game now, which essentially makes loot more deterministic and less random, where. Um, Throughout the map, you could find like crafting materials and you can use them to help you uh, sort of fill in the missing pieces of loot that you didn't find. Or if like 
you desperately need like heavy ammo and you haven't found any, you can use the crafting materials you found and go to the crafting stations and, uh, you know, sort of fill in those gaps of like, I, I haven't found a barrel mod, I haven't found ammo, well, I could use the crafting materials I, I have to supplement what I currently have. That's a pretty cool mechanic. Are you, are you, you're not safe, though, during that, right? So you're probably... No, you're definitely not safe, and those are in, like, er, those crafting stations essentially turn areas into hotspots of, like, people will come here because they need something. So there's a bit of congregation in those areas, and... Of course, that creates this, uh, you know, system of, you know, we've been here, uh, we crafted what we need, uh, the ring is closing in, do we just want to hang out here for a bit and, and see if we could get some, some kills on people moving into the area? And the other thing that's good about that is that a lot of the strongest Apex characters for a long time were characters that could move around really quickly and that were based on motion, characters like Pathfinder and Wraith but now there are, you know, there there's always been defensive characters like Gibraltar and Caustic and Watson. And now that there's like areas on the map that are worth defending, uh, those characters are very strong in pub. In, in competitive play, defensive characters were always strong. But now the strength of those defensive characters, I think, is going to be a little bit more represented in uh, just regular ranked and unrated play as well. Hmm. Uh, what was the last character that came out? Was it Loba? The last character that came out, Rampart. Rampart is the current new character. Oh, she yeah. Is, she is an Indian character who uh, can put up uh, defensive barriers, and her ultimate is uh, putting down a minigun. She's cool. Uh, I did not play her. I actually, because I spend all of my in-game points on skin variants, so I, at this point, don't have enough... Uh, orange money which is the money that you earn just from playing the game to unlock her i think galloway has enough like orange money to unlock like the next four characters or something so i know that he has her unlocked but he hasn't played very much yeah she seems really cool i like the characters in that game are all pretty neat the voice acting in that game i'm a fan the voice acting in that game is like the correct uh languages yeah unlike uh valorant which i don't know yeah, I don't know we what's happening with Valorant. Valorant. The new Valorant season came out, right? Yes. Oh, it did. And I've been loving it. I, I think it's it's my favorite time to play Valorant, actually. Right now? Yeah, I really love Icebox. I love Icebox a ton. It's my favorite of the of the maps in the game right now. Would you say that now there's never been a better time to play Valorant? Now there's never been a better time to play Valorant. Okay, when? Uh, when it first came out and nobody knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's always a fun time uh to be playing i do think that like uh it's always interesting to see different uh, the ways that different people react to uh maps and uh new things i guess in a game like this because valorant uh and like i guess tactical shooters in general are really about like uh completely having the map down uh on lock and just understanding it and the layout in your head to the point of like uh perfectly positioning your crosshair to where when you swing around a corner that like there's stairs and that that's where someone's head will be like you already have you already know that around this corner 
there's stairs and that if someone's on the stairs, this is about where their head's going to be. Stuff like that. Like you, it, the game is really about like completely knowing all the angles being in those situations enough to like sometimes even probably practicing, you know, flicking to certain common angles or peak spots that people can, can come from. So a lot of people are frustrated when a new map comes out. I think because you can get killed from a lot of areas that you're not expecting or there's like a little cubby or something in a hallway that you're you didn't know that there would be an enemy in there um yeah. and that uh, like some of the process of starting to like the map is just playing on it so much that that be, that that where people are standing it becomes a part of strategy and not just like people are just there because you you don't know like they don't know either um but anyway, I like I like Icebox a lot. It, I don't know. I don't really understand. Maybe I maybe I don't understand um, the core concepts behind I guess map design because with the original uh, Valorant maps, uh, the first three and then Ascent as well, people were saying how much um, the game was just like hallway simulators. Like that's like a common complaint levied against it, but. I don't fully understand what people want. I don't know, like, you don't want a Destiny or a Halo kind of map, like a big wide open map with, like, tons of huge high up points. And you don't want, like, like big wide open areas that you can be shot at from, like, 50 different angles because that's, like, not fun. Like, so, sort of... I feel it, like Ascent was pretty different, though, because it had the big open courtyard. Yeah, it has the big open courtyard um and then but then it ascent does kind of have the problem of like the two uh the courtyard there's three places you can kind of go and that's like the um like a main which is like uh and the b main which are both kind of like a showers from from bind where you're going through a tight hallway with a wall that is uh thin enough to be like shot through and you're having to come out and be uh, forced into like a lot of different angles, um, whereas the, uh, Icebox has like a ton of different places that you can play from. I agree with you that Ascent is different, um, but I I don't really know. I guess I just don't know what people want. People don't know what people want. People don't people know. Just what make want. these gut judgments of whether something is good or bad. And yeah, they, like a lot, like or, or they just they just listen to somebody that they. They listen to like a Hiko say like, "Oh, the map is bad," and then they're like, "The map is bad." Yeah, like, I, but Which I don't is like that's that's what video gamers do. Yeah, or 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 you feel I I I think that it's also common in a, in good faith that like you can play a map and not really enjoy it, or for for you know multiple different reasons, like you had a couple bad games on it and now you're already like writing it off, or you don't like the aesthetic, maybe. Um, you don't like maybe like a gimmick of the map or something like that. And then you hear someone just say the map is bad. And then you're like, well, he goes said the map is bad. So I was right. Oh yeah. The map is bad. I guess the map is bad then. Okay. I was thinking, I was thinking that I wasn't doing very well on this map, but now the map is bad. So, but I, I, I really love it. And it's the most different. It's, it's by far the most different thing that, uh, map that they've come out with. Yeah, Icebox is, is more different from, uh, the other maps it's weird to say. It's like it's the other maps have like, like oh, a coke map. But. Yeah, the other maps have like a design element, like a sort of like almost like a bible behind them. Like like they are um, they, uh, like generally 
looking down different hallways that have different uh, angles and different things blocking lines of sight. Um, but some of that is like, I guess, so that you can aim duel people in a lot of cases, like so that the aiming and quick reactions is what is what wins and not being shot from behind or some wild angle. Whereas this map, I could imagine people being more frustrated with actually uh, because there's a ton of uh, angles and there's a ton of verticality. So like you're you're kind of whenever you're opening up yourself to one angle in this map, you feels like you're opening yourself up to a lot of angles and a lot of like high up places and stuff. And that's kind of yeah. also weird for Valorant players probably because uh, people are so used to adjusting horizontally and this is a map that uh that makes you adjust your cursor a lot uh vertically yeah it is also a map that is making some of the strong characters stronger uh in the case of omen and jet and rays who have access to these vertical movement abilities uh that other characters don't right so it, it just gives them like on this map how could brimstone possibly be picked over omen when omen just has access to all these areas that brimstone doesn't right yeah and i guess we'll see how it nets out maybe i'm totally wrong maybe i have no idea but it seems like this is a map where you really want to have omen yeah i don't disagree with that that's that is a like a a generally really interesting uh topic uh i i do think that it's kind of cool the way that the map uh kind of I, I think that I, I while I agree with you that like some of the characters that have already been performing really well uh, d- continue to do well on on Icebox. I think it's kind of cool that Icebox is all, all, also kind of an answer to um, Sentinels. Like the more that the the, the maps were just hallways, like uh, that made dealing with Cipher or something really frustrating because. Uh, you knew that going to his site, you like have to encounter a tripwire, and and even if you don't get tripped by it, if you break it, then he'll get that information. Whereas the cipher can't really do that that much on this map. It's too vertical. There's too many angles. There's too many like routes. It's kind of hard for cipher to like lock down any one area. And in the uh, on the other side of the coin is like Killjoy, who uh, wasn't designed as uh an answer to anything going on in the meta she was like designed prior to the uh the game going out of beta um actually kind of gives cypher a run for his money on that map i feel like she's yeah. a better she's a better pick overall um yeah it's her- interesting because actually in the tournament that's going on this weekend the renegades invitational is more killjoy than i was expecting i know uh, i wonder on, if like even outside of uh, icebox which is not featured in this tournament i wonder if um uh killjoy being so good on icebox just made it so that people got more comfortable playing that character like they had to play her so much on icebox that they're like i can take all these uh same kind of theories and the same gameplay to a different map in a way that they probably weren't as concerned about doing when cypher was just was like felt like the all-around better pick and now that there's some competition there i wonder if it means that people are just trying Mm. out new things I don't think we're at that point yet, right? Because this the season just started maybe five days ago. Mm-hmm. But maybe people have just been practicing Killjoy because also uh, there have not been a lot of tournaments recently. So this is a you know one of the first the first like major tournament for competitive Valorant for a while now. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot going on all at once, and then 
that it it slowed down. I think some of that what had to do though with um, worlds with with the the other riot, the other big riot. Game, riot wasn't you know? the one who was producing a lot of the early tournaments. I mean, they they did a lot of them, but some of them were just invitationals that were done by. Uh, so, for example, the Phase Invitational, right, where they debuted their squad and uh, had some really interesting advertisements. Yeah, they did have really interesting advertisements. Yeah, but I, I wonder, uh, I don't know if this is conspiratorial or if this is just actually just very sensical, but I wonder if Riot just kind of put a held hold on it. Like, I'm, I'm sure that... Uh, I don't know the logistics of tournament organization, but I, I, I wonder if... Uh, Riot was just like cool it a little bit with the tournaments because uh, there's like tons of league stuff going on right now and we don't want to cannibalize uh, league or Valorant because then if like if if the if there's like a massive if like the biggest league tournament in the world is going on right now and you have hold a Valorant tournament then you're probably going to get less viewers for the Valorant tournament and cannibalize some of the league viewers you know I don't know if that was yeah. I don't know if that is a concern but. Yeah, my favorite meme that came out of uh, this year's Worlds is that TSM is speedrunning a trip to the airport. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I have not. They were losing so poorly. It was the, uh, they made a Worlds record. Uh, they're the first team to go zero and six in group stages. Oh, no. They were the number one seed out of North America, but the, the second and third seed uh, showed up, like played much better. What and is it? About- TSM was just useless. Uh, uh, and that's a team that has Bjergsen and Double Lift on it. League, NA League is so inconsistent to me that like that's almost what got me frustrated with watching uh, Pro League because of how often that like this story would cycle. It was like, oh, North America is looking really strong. Even Koreans are using North American strategies. And then maybe around mid-season, there's the mid-season Invitational um and look uh north america looks really strong in mid-season invitational they got second third or second place or something and maybe in some in some like rare cases they actually won mid-season invitational so going into the 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 next season is like oh look at north america still looking really strong and now we're coming up to worlds and then it happens every year and it's like nope north america was never that good it's just that yeah, the, the teams care more about worlds cuz worlds is like it's there though because it's also like a uh, team liquid who was the third seed for league of legends beat top esports which is the winner from last year the korean team from last year liquid beat them mm-hmm. uh, in group stages they well, might be the they... i think they might have been the only team that beat top esports in group stages don't quote me on that yeah uh yeah it's it is what it is. League of Legends. I miss League of Legends. I kind of do. I I do. I always. I agree with you that I miss the characters. Yeah. Like there's there's characters that I've just played thousands of hours of like Graves that I miss. They gotta make that fighting game, right? Yeah. Like they gotta do something else with those characters. Runeterra is pretty good, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. I just miss Graves. I miss Jungle Graves, especially when when Graves. That's was... where he goes. Graves was uh, one of the most picked. Eight, uh, what do they call them? AD carries. Legends? Like legends? Le- legends, heroes. Yeah, he was the well, most League of Legends. He's so. only a jungler, by the way, now. He's only, he's only a jungler. jungler. I remember yeah, I remember the, the good old days of him being uh an AD carry. And then there was the they, time where he became a jungler. When they reworked him, he became much cooler. He became much cooler when he had a shotgun for a uh auto attack. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of the most picked uh junglers. 
But that's not uh, Valorant. No. Um, so, yeah, the... the I really like Icebox, and again, I don't really know what people want. One thing I, that's I, interesting about Icebox is that part of the map is a Halo map uh, yeah. on A-Site, and then part of the map is a Call of Duty map on yeah. B-Site. Yeah, it's, I, I really enjoy that, and I really enjoy what kind of uh, fights you get into and how different they are on both sides. Um the middle of the map has like a unique, a pretty unique area where there's this kind of um, really thin-walled tube that leads up into a kitchen that can. That's like probably one of the more important things to control um, because it's one of the. It's that classic like on a A and, and B site, like on a two-site map. Um, the mid lane is dangerous because people can. If if you get control of that, you can swing either way, right? Um, but yeah. But uh, it has this kind of uh, tube that leads up into the kitchen. But then one of the most interesting things about it is that uh, people can play on the tube. Like, so just like you were saying before, Ray's, well, Jet, some characters, Omen, right? certain characters that can get up on there uh, can play up on top of this, like, middle lane. So, like, there's, like, it's crazy how often things in this map are like, here's the angle that you could get shot out. But also look above. That's another angle you can get shot at. Or, or play from so because of that it just it like makes every i feel like it makes every angle a little bit more versatile and it's not like you're just always expecting someone to poke out from one angle um and then like you said the uh a site is this kind of weird indoors halo map with like a trench that runs down it kind of i think it was really cool and a zip line that connects these two crow's nests uh it's really yeah. weird because the uh i like it, I think this is probably one of the coolest elements of design of the design of the entire map is that uh, the, uh, the attacking side gets to kind of come out in this big like heaven platform, this big like platform way above the where the defenders start out. I think that's really cool. Like I think that's really cool that that uh, that they the attackers get this huge power angle uh, on the a site. And then, like you said, uh, B site is like this kind of like this this shipping containery kind of area with all these stacked shipping containers that you can go into, and it it feels a lot like a Call of Duty map. And like one of the reasons around. for that is just that there's so many places to like pop out from and to like hide in. Yeah. In a way that, like, if you're playing Call of Duty, you would walk past a corner and die from it and scream about how campers camping. yeah but in yeah. this game that's the game uh that is I, the game i like i like the map a lot uh what, what's your overall take on it because I, I just i love it a lot but i i usually i do love a lot i have no opinion on it um because i don't I, i'm just not ready to formulate an opinion yet because so the thing that makes makes a map good uh is a map is nothing by itself. A map is a way for characters to interact with. It's about the way that the, the characters interact with it. Uh, so you could have a thing where it's like, I really like playing uh, Viper on Bind. But that doesn't make Bind good. Bind is good because I like playing Cypher and Omen and Brimstone and Viper on it. So as it stands now... I've only played a couple characters on Icebox. And, you know, I like what I'm seeing so far. I'm playing characters that are that feel good on Icebox, right? I'm playing uh, Killjoy, and I'm playing Omen, specifically. 
but but I haven't played uh, you know Breach yet. I haven't played Viper yet. So I don't I don't know you know how I feel about that yet. Split, for example. I like playing Cypher enough on that map that I, I don't even care about playing other characters on it. So that alone makes Split really fun for me. Um, but I think the thing that makes any map good is the variety of strategies that you can use on it and and, and also just how like fresh does it feel, like how different is it from other maps while also letting me... Uh, do a bunch of different things or play the way that I want to play. Yeah. I do, and, I, and, I, you know, that's, that's something that's changed a lot over, over the years of like shooters, because it used to be that maps needed to be symmetrical because these were arena shooters. So a map had to be symmetrical because you want to put a rocket launcher in the middle of it. And if you make the maps unsymmetrical, then one team has easier access to the rocket launcher and then, you know, that's a problem. But now games are designed with a sort of asymmetry, especially games like Counter-Strike and uh, Valorant, where the competing sides have totally different objectives. Uh, so you want each side to have uh, different sort of avenues of gameplay, and you want, you know... These are the areas, if you're on CT, where you want, like, a sniper rifle and a shotgun. And, you know, on the other side, it's the opposite. So yeah. it, it's hard to say even what makes a map uh, good or bad. But essentially, uh, for Valorant specifically, you want uh, different characters to be accessible on the map. You want uh, you don't want it to feel like, oh, this is a bad map for Phoenix. You want it to be like... Phoenix has these options on this map, and that feels good. Yeah. And same thing with Raze. Like, you want, you, if you put Raze here, like, she can do this with her blast packs or cover this angle in a, in a unique way that other characters without a grenade or a boombot cannot. Mm hmm. Uh, so in terms of how I feel, I don't know yet. I haven't played enough characters on it. It will be spots, weird just but... to see what pros do on it because they kind of cement that, like, uh, that meta like they, they do certain things or run certain characters and that gets felt all the way back to like ranked you know like where people just feel like oh we always have to pick killjoy because there's a uh, pros have been putting her turret in this one spot and it's ridiculous she controls this one site and then that starts to create that more consistent meta of like oh whenever we're seeing that map we're always seeing someone pick that character and until you've seen a lot of until like multiple turns have fleshed that out the the map is just like in this constant state of of uh just not being figured out just being really amorphous and changing all the time yeah but it's like there there are going to be some like there are some developments that can't happen until the map has been out for a while yeah so for example once you know let's say where people stand in kitchen to hold the tube then you can be breach and aftershock that part flash mid and run through the tube while nobody can possibly cover it. And, uh, you know, figuring out those things and, and executing on them is part of the fun. But some people don't care for the discovery and they just want the execution. And for those people, the prospect of a new map is always going to come with some growing pains, right? Like some people yeah. just aren't going to want to figure it out. They just want to have it figured out. And, and in those cases, uh, they're going to have a bad time for the first couple of... Um, weeks I, I remember when uh ascent came out it was like 
90% of the time you tried to play, you just got a scent. Like, it was way higher rated, uh, or way higher weighted than the other maps. And, and that was actually a bug for the first couple of days where they're like, oh, Ascent is actually more than it's supposed to be. Yeah, which was, it was already supposed, I think it was already supposed to be tuned up a, a lot. But I, Icebox never seemed to have that as much. I didn't notice, I know it was only supposed to be for like one or two days that they, that Icebox was tuned up, but I didn't really notice it um, appearing that, that commonly. And now that that's off is like, it's just the one out of five chance to get it. Um, so... It's a little weird because there's been so much more time on the other maps that it's like we do need to spend a lot of time playing this map to get better at it and and uh, figure stuff out on it. I do feel like uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm expecting most maps to come out and for people to just dislike them for a while. Yeah, my question is like, when does the next map come out now? Because now they're off sync. Mm -hmm. What it if was they weird that it came out of? I mean, what if they still have? What if they release boiling? a new map in two months? Yeah, what if they do? I mean, I think that they. I I could have swore that I heard a, um, uh, an interview saying that now they're gonna push back the next map and it won't come out exactly on time. But I wonder if that means that it'll come well, out. At just... the same time, it does feel like this is a map that was supposed to release in December, right? It's a, it's an ice map. Yeah. Where's the spooky? Like, do you think they'll do anything spooky? Like, oh, if they'll I, do I was... like a. Uh... Why like a Haven Night and like what a, would a... Night map? For unrated yeah what would what would a um halloween like holiday look like at least come on but then but then that would if they put some jack-o-lanterns and can you stand on it because then that creates different geometry that would be like put it, put like, it off on what the, if, like put it off the map to okay. make things spooky all right so some, some floating candles or something i don't know i think that'd be cool i i, I wonder if there is because riot is certainly a company that uh Utilize that does that's big into the holidays, and uh, they are also they lean from... so hard in League of Legends. You get all the like, I don't know if you remember when they completely redo Summoner's Rift for like Halloween mm -hmm. and for they make like the snowy Summoner's Rift. There was a while where they weren't like, doing that, but it was the, so cool. The, the Christmas skins, and every Christmas they open up like the vault of discontinued skins and things like that. Yeah, they I wonder if we'll see. I wonder if if we'll see anything about uh halloween it, it it's always that's always a huge Even video in game. real life yeah in real life too actually you're right like it is weird it's a weird time for for everybody but i wonder if we'll see anything to do with halloween i wonder if we'll see just even uh just some skins or if they will do something where it's like oh we made a uh spooky map or maybe something like a playlist like uh, instead of Spike Rush or something, it's like here's the here's a Halloween related game mode with like a zombie. Like someone comes, if you don't watch a body, it comes back as a zombie, and then it runs quicker and can like melee. I know Apex did something like that, and I remember that being a really neat idea. Um, so, oh yeah, I, the I, zombie I, mode was sick in Apex. I, I could wonder. I, I wonder if they'll do anything like that. I don't, I don't know if this is the kind of game that like. I wonder if they feel like it doesn't lend itself. It's too. Um, I don't know. Serious? Yeah. Is that it? Is that the case? I don't even know. It is. I mean, what's a better word for it? Of just like, it's it's too competitive, and anything that would like mess with the competitive integrity, like oh, the lantern creates this that's, issue. See, that was that's funny because that that's like exactly what I said. Is like my immediate thought is that if they were gonna even even if they were just like oh, we did this fun thing, we put a single jack o' lantern on Haven, it would be like. 
Well, I was walking backwards and I got caught on the jack-o'-lantern and you were supposed to have a little bit more room to back up and because of it, I got headshot. Or someone boosted onto the jack-o'-lantern and got an angle that I'm not used to and stuff like that. Like I just Or even if they put it off that map, someone so could dude. be like, that messes with my Sova angle. Oh yeah, that, I can't. I can't my, shoot my, my dart off the. Now that's a now that, that would be a funny way to like balance Soba is like they're just like we don't like some of these Soba darts, so we put giant ass floating jack lanterns that will uh, intercept the arrows. Like there's one just floating above just, Haven A site, so now that hey that the full sight Sova recon dart doesn't work because it just hits way high up and but is blocked by the jack o' lantern. Some stupid shit like that. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah. Um, the Singularity skins are phenomenal. Oh, they're outstanding. Yeah, the new the new skins. They're expensive as hell, right? That yeah. set is eighty five dollars or something like that for four skins. But you get the knife. You get the. It, it's weird, right? Because it's like you know what you're paying for when you do it, so you, you can't blame them for the prices. Yeah, they're they're phenomenal though. I feel like they're. Uh, the, the, the Elder Flame skins were, um, a look at how far they can push, uh, uh, the actual, like, skins to, to the point of being a novelty, and I feel like the Singularity skins are, uh, they're really, really pushing it, especially with, like, reloads or pulling them out, and, like, how they, they're these, like, black hole kind of guns that, like, discombobulate and, like, reform a little bit, um, and they have everything. They have the they have like unique shooting animations and sounds, and a unique kill uh, sound and unique end of game. Like they like they create a black hole when you kill the last person, and everything like that. So they 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 really they do push it. But I feel like they're not as distracting or not or like novel as the Elder Flame skin. So I feel like a lot of people. I've only heard good things actually. It's yeah. like I've only heard amazing things. I've only heard people either like when they first came out just say how much they were loving them or just loving using them uh yeah and... except galloway who doesn't like icebox and doesn't like the singularity skins but and then the, the colors are great too the colors are yeah big fan and sky comes out fairly soon uh that character was she's pushed back a little bit and uh now that i've uh since she came out uh what her her abilities came out live last time we were doing uh a, a podcast and uh the more that i look at them and the more that i've heard uh pros talk about them the, the more excited i am because i feel like she'll slightly work in a sofa way um she she has like a, a kind of information a lot of nice information gathering abilities um i could see people using her in lots of cool ways because she can kind of pilot this hawk and there's no skybox so she can pilot this hawk over buildings and over terrain and get all these insane things uh, and help her team out from the back lines. She seems really cool. I can't wait to see what, what the game looks like with her. And she well, seems like she'll be good wait. on Icebox. She will be good. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I like characters more than maps, so, you know, I look forward to that. Is there anything else? I feel like there has been other things. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about maps in general? Yeah. Because, you know, we started talking about uh, some of this stuff last night, and it got us to thinking about, like, what are some memorable maps for, you know, multiplayer games in general for you. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a little bit hard to discuss some of these for games that maybe, you know, if I've played some and you haven't. Did you play, like, Halo 3? I feel like I I did play Halo 3. I did play a lot of Halo 3. But do you remember there's a map called The Pit? And it was uh, a lot of the maps for Halo were, like, 
on on like alien areas or were very like um outdoorsy but there was one map called the pit which was like a training base and it was essentially like a bunch of cargo containers and that was one of my favorite maps oh i do remember this map where it was just like i i i could probably draw the layout of that map and i could tell you like this is the tower where the battle rifle spawns and if you go into this crate in the middle that's where like the rocket launcher spawns but it did get me thinking about like what makes a map good and bad and and i i think you know it is something that i mentioned earlier but i I think it really is about uh you a map allows you to play with all of the tools in your kit and it lets you see uh, a bunch of different things that the game has to offer while still being unique. And and one of the challenges of creating multiplayer maps is you want characters to be able, you want players to be able to express themselves in, in every map, but you want a way to f- make these maps unique, right? So in, in Valorant, you have like uh, a teleporter on bind, but the maps that don't have teleporters, they don't feel like they're missing something, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the challenge of sort of creating a, a suite of maps. So I, I wrote down some of my favorite maps. I'm looking that. at the pit, and I do remember playing a ton of free for all on this map. Yeah, I you know you know I'm I'm weird I'm I'm really I, I really gravitate to just that style of uh of map like just it's kind of like this map is kind of plain looking. Um, but, but it has a lot of, like, it has like kind of two tiers to it, like a bottom floor and, uh, a kind of middle floor. And then there's, I think there might even be like a, a, a third height that's, that's involved. Um, and, uh, just walking out onto that, like second floor or something and being able to, uh, look down or look up and have like fights that could go either way, I feel like is, it just that might be one of the things because I, I I was thinking the same thing like I don't really understand I just have a general feeling of what makes a uh, uh, a map fun to play if I had to point uh to what makes a map really fun it might be that there are certain like power angles I guess maybe there's like spots yeah. on the map that are uh unnaturally stronger and unfair to like or advantageous to fight from so some of the map or some of like the overall flow of the game is like um i don't like i don't know like maybe like i was thinking of blood gulch because that's just like a really popular map i love the the aesthetic of it i i like everyone knows like how like the map is kind of designed to have these two teams spawn at these two different tiny bases and take like the warthog whatever like and have fights uh, like in the middle ground between the bases but then the bases themselves are also like a fun or like contention point where you want to get on top of your enemy's base and they're kind of spawning around and below you and you can fire down and like kill them from that like advantage point so i think that having uh crazy contentious power angle spots is for me one of the most important things of a map and in in counter-strike or in valorant this is usually like a heaven kind of place where you're you've got like a crow's nest or something like way high up um 
if you are using like the most expensive guns or like a sniper that it's it's difficult for enemies to deal with it and um them a lot of the gameplay becomes uh them either blocking your line of sight or flushing you out and then them trying to usually get to that heaven angle as well so one thing that's kind of interesting is when you think about a game like destiny destiny sort of occupies a unique space uh for designing maps because uh characters come into destiny with their own kit so you know you're bringing the shotgun or the assault rifle in a way that's similar to call of duty the difference is that destiny has heavy ammo which is the equivalent of the halo rocket launcher which is you choose a in in destiny you're choosing like um a sniper rifle no maybe not a sniper rifle but you're choosing like yeah sniper rifle was heavy i think or but, you're choosing or a sniper the, rifle um, was sniper rifle secondary yeah or you're choosing but you're choosing like the the sword or you're choosing the rocket launcher as part of your kit but you only get access to it once you control the heavy ammo uh in that spot so destiny maps were interesting because they were semi-symmetrical uh, but they had differences. Some of the maps were built to fully be symmetrical. Um, one of my favorite ones being uh, Pantheon. Um, it's a little hard to describe Destiny maps, but I believe that this one is on Mercury. And it had these extremely long hallways uh, that looked towards this middle big open room that had like this cube in the middle of it. I know I know exactly what you're talking about. This is like a... Uh, it's a map from the dark below. Um so it wasn't in the original set, but it came uh, shortly after. Um, and, and this map has, uh, you know, like you had mentioned, uh, those power angles. So essentially it had a lane which was uh, looking into the middle of the map, uh, which is really important because uh, that's where the heavy ammo spawns and that's where the B flag would be on a domination or control, as they called it. So those areas were controlled by snipers, but... There were side lanes where if you don't have access to a sniper rifle or you're running a shotgun or something else, uh, you had these side lanes that you could go to sort of to sneak around um, to those areas to mid um, that would give you interesting opportunities, but were, you know, dangerous in their own right. I think Halo so, so had, I think or I think um, Destiny has just in general great maps too because of the mobility in that game. I, I think uh, I was looking into the uh maps that i like the best and i think it's twilight gap and rusted lands was like an original map i don't know if you remember this but it's like a i think it's like a cosmodrome um style map and i just remember loving it because there's so many like high up walls and stuff like that so there's a lot like like just being able to teleport or fly over like suddenly gives you like lets you drop in on enemies i remember just loving just everything about that map the aesthetic the overall like play style that you can uh, put into that map is just, that is a really neat map. Really, Bungie's always been really good at designing maps. Yeah, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember the map called Bannerfall, uh, but it was a uh, outdoors earth map where it had like this courtyard in the middle of it. And then uh, it's so hard to describe maps like that. Uh, oh, yeah. Remember? When... I have to look at when what era of Destiny this was, but that uh, is a really. This was Taken King. That was when like so they had like didn't they have like the um uh the the crimson doubles or whatever on that map like it's like that that is like a, the an asymmetrical map. Um, it is. That's symmetrical. Pretty well. It's semi-symmetrical. The shape is the same. Yeah. That's, oh, I meant uh, symmetrical. Yeah. But but there's different 
but there are like different aesthetics and uh, the layout is slightly different on each side. Yeah, that was a really neat map. I just I like that aesthetic. I, I always I gravitate for at least for a lot of the the um, Halo maps. I really love uh, the Cosmodromey kind of maps. Yeah. This one's like on the wall, like a w- giant wall, kind of like as a part of the tower. Yeah. Then there are games like Overwatch where, uh, similar to Valorant, it's all about the way that the characters uh, can interact with those maps, right? Yeah, those those maps so, are uh, must have always been such a challenge to design because your the characters have such wildly different uh, kits that like you there's whole portions of the map that you have to design like high up for uh Farah's to be able to fly around when you know there's reinhardt's that like literally cannot get anywhere off the ground uh yeah and even like like uh i was almost going to call him omen but like reaper like you want those like routes that, that reaper could take to possibly get behind the enemy team yeah designing even like where the health kits are going to go it was also it's um, also kind of cool the way that uh they built overwatch as having different uh the maps having their own goal built in like the the other maps you know um they they build like the map originally and then uh find ways for it to service different game modes so um with destiny or whatever like you have the same map that's playable on multiple different things like a clash where you're just killing people or control where you're controlling different points but the map wasn't necessarily designed with like uh all those in in mind specifically it just being uh they're just putting different goals into the map and uh with overwatch i really like how they made maps that were entirely designed around one thing like like it is like maps that are king of the hill or maps that are payload and that everything the goal like the goal the, the map was made with from the ground up with that intention yeah and aesthetically, they had some really cool maps. I think my favorite one, I, I forget the exact name of it, but the theme park Blizzard World or something like that map. That is a really cool map. And that's kind of that kind of came later on in Overwatch. Yeah. My favorite maps, I think, would just be a nostalgia trap where it's like, I like El Dorado. I like, uh, because just because I like it, it's like a, this nighttime-themed map. Um, I like uh, King's Row. King's Row is another kind of like nice, uh, like the, just the general color scheme of the map and this like Londony looking place is just, it looks really nice. Um, yeah, I, I think, I don't know if you ever played Team Fortress, but one thing that's interesting is there's a, a map from, they, they took a lot of maps from uh, the first Team Fortress, which you know now known as Team Fortress Classic, and they rebuilt them when Team Fortress 2 came out. So they rebuilt like the most iconic and popular map was called Two Fort. And something that's a little bit different uh, than Overwatch is just uh, there's sometimes it's attacking and defending in payloads, but uh, there's also capture the flag. So the idea of two fort is just that there are two fortresses that are sort of separated by this bridge that you have to cross, and it's a capture the flag map. Uh, I don't know that I have much to say about it, but it is like this iconic map, and it's interesting that it kind of got like repurposed. Uh, from the original game and then rebuilt into Team Fortress 2, which was a very, very different game. So just the fact that they were able to like adapt it is impressive. I think there's and a lot of... And then you have maps like uh, Dust 2 in Counter-Strike, where uh, you know that was originally a, a CS 1.6 map that eventually made its way into CSGO, which is less dramatic of a change because those games are not 
extremely different in the ways that a classic is from a Team Fortress 2. I look at Dust 2 and I, I like Dust 2. I, I, I like the aesthetic. I think maybe, I don't, I wonder how much of the map's uh, fame comes from, from that. I don't, I don't really, like, I think Dust 2 is such a good example of, like, wh- what about it made it so famous. Like, I, I don't know, like, it's, it's so difficult to understand, like, chemically what, bo- how the map, like, boils down, you know? Like, what, like, what, like, the, the, the sum of its parts being so much greater. Like, why is Dust 2 the map that has its own playlist, like in Counter-Strike. Like if you're going to play Unrated, then there's different playlists and one of them is just Dust 2 because it's just like the most famous map. It's like the like Final Destination uh, map. Yeah, someone for... must have thought about this. I mean, like I'm, I'm sure that it's something that map designers think about. I have looked into these kind of stuff, but I, I don't think I, I don't think I've ever gotten an answer that is fulfilling. I think the more like if, like anyone you can look up uh, research like uh, map design and there's different uh, elements that go into it like uh, the having you know different uh, array of angles like having long hallways short hallways like making it so that all the different types of guns are uh, or abilities are are useful on on the map and like there, there's there's obviously tons of that kind of stuff that goes into it but I think at the end of even that like how do you make a map that is like new and unique and uh surprising people but also gives them what they want out of a map i don't know like i i don't i i don't i don't know if i've ever like had a like a super good answer when i looked at uh uh write-ups on why people didn't like valorant maps um it, it like i i felt like a lot of their complaints could be easily levied against a lot of different like csgo maps that they're holding up and it's like do you just like csgo better or I'm, I I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, and I don't know either. To be honest, like I don't have a I don't have a good answer to that one either. Uh, and you know, I bet something that has been on a lot of people's minds also recently is uh, map design in battle royales because uh, th- those are sort of in this unique situation of uh, they're changing all the time. So at any given point, I think there's only one map in Fortnite. Um, and they're just constantly changing that map. And it almost like the map matters in Fortnite for sure. But, but it's almost like the, the thing that matters a little bit more is the types of obstacles and things that they put in it. So when they put like um, uh, the teleporters and the like right now there's like it's Marvel season. So there's like Again? Uh, Dr. Doom's base is in it. And if you fight through it, there's all of, like, these robot NPCs. But if you can fight through the robot NPCs and, like, kill Dr. Doom, uh, then you get access to, like, his gauntlet, which gives you, like, these insane abilities. Um, and then, of course, there are uh, better battle royales, like Apex Legends, which Apex Legends actually has more than one map, but they still change their maps up every season by putting new things in it. But but it's interesting because these maps are kind of uh, theme parky. Right where you're moving between attractions, Apex has changed it up a bit, where there's less dead space nowadays, and, and the maps are more of these like cohesive units. Uh, there always has to be some dead space in maps because you you want there to be uh, this idea of traveling from one spot to another, and you want there to be like this fear where you have to cross these open spaces. Yeah, there's a lot of and, tension. And yeah. 
so so you want that, but then you also want like these places of like um, somewhat comfort where maybe you get to like this highly defensible area or you get to this place of reward where uh, there are this place feels safe. There's plenty of loot. It's an area where people don't usually go to. Uh, this is something that you usually find at the beginning of the map where it's like, uh, I'm on the outskirts of the map. I'm the only one landed here. So I know that the area around me is like safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have my exit points. I have the different places I can go from here. But at the same point, uh, every area needs to be designed as though like, if multiple teams drop here, what are the options that are available to each of them? Uh, what does a pathfinder who has access to zip lines do on these maps? And one thing that's interesting is that uh, for a battle royale game like Apex, you don't have to design every area for every character because you can let some areas be bad for certain characters and some areas be better. Uh, so there are defensive characters like uh, Caustic who are just not going to perform well in these like wide open areas like Thunderdome. You put them They're in that bunker. They're going to thrive in areas like Bunker, right? Where all of the loot is like so tightly packed together, and uh, one of his bombs can like one of like can just smoke up. Yeah, can every... like, totally devastate yeah. an area. So I don't know. There is the fact that Apex is also like constantly changing their map. And there, you know, it is the kind of game where, similar to Fortnite even, there are all of the, these secrets and Easter eggs and uh, activities and maps. So when World's End came out, there was the vaults uh, where there were these drones that were flying around the map. And if you kill the drones, uh, it will drop a key that will give you access to, like, these vaults, which had insane loot. Uh, but you don't need to go to a key to go to the vault. You could just hang out there and camp outside of it and wait for a team that does have the key to swing by, kill them, take the key, and you know get access to the vault. Also, there were more keys available than there were vaults. So it, it kind of creates like this urgency of if you find a key, you want to get to a vault, get access to that loot before a team that has better stuff uh, does. But, but one of the things that was interesting about Apex when it first came out is there were certain areas uh, that people gravitated to for, for seemingly no reason. Like there were just areas that people liked. And this is something that came from uh, Fortnite as well, where in Fortnite early on, they had uh, tilted towers. So at the beginning of every, oh, and even in PUBG, PUBG had the school. Fortnite had tilted towers and Apex had Skulltown, where you go to these areas because people go there. So they, these, they were these areas that were just like inherently spicy. Yeah. What I wonder like some of that, like what happens is people like those areas. They're just fun. Skulltown yeah. is fun, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Cause it wasn't like that. It, it, it always was it, like the, it wasn't like it was consistently like, Oh, every game, it's just the best stuff is going to spawn here, but it is a large area. So it naturally had uh, good loot and a lot of loot. But for whatever were, reason, uh, for the sake of the school and for the sake of um, Apex, these areas were slightly centralized. Um, this wasn't the case exactly for Tilted in a Fortnite, but they were central locations. So typically, you could get there regardless of what the circle uh, looked like. So, so that also made them like pretty popular. I, mean, areas. I guess it's safe too. Like, like stuff like the bunker and Skull Town, which are kind of close to each other, are. Uh, going to be always somewhat near wherever the circle begins yes exactly yeah so so those areas became popular and also 
but to an extent, they also destroyed the flow of the game. Uh, where in, in Apex, Apex had this problem in season one and two where you wouldn't see people for a long time uh, if you didn't drop hot. So it created this this situation of either you're dropping hot or you're dropping cold. So what they had to do in Fortnite and they had to do in Apex Legends is they have to nuke these areas, right? They have to destroy the area where people are constantly congregating because it creates this unevenness across the map. Um, You don't want people to be in one area because then it it creates these boring moments of like, okay, I can just not go to Skulltown and I can loot three areas fully without seeing anyone and just have like amazing gear that I didn't have to fight anybody for. But once they start destroying Skulltown, uh, they start destroying Tilted Towers, suddenly you have players needing to spread out across the map more often uh, and, and creating situations where loot isn't free anymore. You're going to run into people because half the map is not at Skulltown anymore. Yeah, you really do want, especially for those kind of games, you want people to be uh, gravitating to the outside of the map and then being forced inward. Yes. And then that's what the way you'd probably get the most amount of friction between other players. Because if people, like you said, like if, if uh, half the map goes into the middle and then they all fight over it and then everyone's dead, then the, the rest of the map is going to be inherently more spread out. Like there's just not going to be as much going on. Whereas if everyone kind of spawned around the map, then it'd be like this more even amount of fighting that, that that must be difficult too because you you even with with the way that battle royales kind of try to make um players uh drops kind of centralized with the way that the uh like dropship or whatever flies over like it's gonna inherently cause like population in one part of the map um you still want like a you still don't want just everyone to always spawn in and have like tons of fighting and then no fighting like you want a consistent amount of fighting which must be like difficult when you give players that much option to get yeah. like you you want it to be like you're going to drop and there's going to be one other team and then you're going to fight them and then you you move forward a little bit and then there's another team like that kind of like it's it's developing that flow it, I feel like is very difficult yeah but it's something that I think that the team uh that designed that's Respawn Entertainment, uh, that Designed Apex is consciously like been thinking about. And, and the way that they've been doing it recently is, you know, you get those areas on the outskirts of the map. Those are the areas that you want people to drop in. And then tan- tangential to the, like close to them on the way towards the center, you have the areas of interest, like the vaults that I mentioned, uh, or areas of the map that give you um, transportation. So in the, you know, the second Apex Legends map, the uh, world's, end world's edge they have a train yeah so the train uh is in the middle of the outside of the map versus the inside of the map so you could like hop on the train and like go around the map or you could cross the train tracks and start heading towards the center and and i think that that's sort of what they want to do is they and also you want uh i don't know if you have eight outside areas then you want like six middle areas and then four inside areas so that like people are congregating in a way that does create like this empty space. Uh, But like, you know, I mentioned earlier that empty space is also a feature. It's something that's kind of important. It creates that tension of uncertainty of like, we need to get across this area 
because it's unsafe. Did uh, I, I never really played Fortnite. Did Fortnite ever have like that kind of mobile element like the uh, train? Oh, yeah. uh, Fortnite is just insane with its mobility because Fortnite also had uh, vehicles. They had these like slipstreams where like, you, you know, the glider that, you know, you drop yeah. down and you get on the glider. Uh, they had like these slipstreams of air where you could like boost into them and like follow the slipstream through the air. Well, I guess, like I guess Apex always had those uh, those towers. The jump towers. Yeah. Yeah, but I will say that the games of Apex that I've played recently uh, have been more consistent in terms of the action, just a better pace of, like, I'm not waiting around for 10 minutes. Like, I'm never curious about where people are. Like, I always have some sense of where people are. And, and I think that that makes for a, for a healthy and fun, like, flow of a game. I was, I haven't, like, I played it and there were not, like, dull moments. That's something they've been working on for a long time. Because, like you said, like, uh, the originally uh, King's Canyon was all these copy-paste areas. And uh, there was not, there was a lot of areas that just never got any love and just never, and no one really ever wanted to go to. Um, especially, like, on that, like, northern part of the map. I guess it's northern. Yeah. I'm thinking where was, yeah, like, the totally greener, northern. lusher yeah, area. Yeah, where, like, Relay is and the wet, I forget, like, the water town. Yeah, that, like, water, that wetlands area. Like, those areas, yeah. and there's one on the side, is on, like, the east side of it as well, where it was, like, it just, I just never felt like... The swamp, and it was crazy because those areas were, like, so well-designed. There were, like, so many interesting, like, the swamp area where, like, it was such a cool spot and you'd rarely find people there. Yeah. Because it's, like, the opposite side of the map from Skulltown. Yeah, you wouldn't really have those fights there. So there was, like, it was a huge area, and it was full of loot, and it was very rare that you're actually fighting people there. But when you did, it was super interesting. It was insane for them to just blow that up. But I understand, as you went over, why why they did that. Yeah. You can't just have people forever going to the same spot. Yeah. Those are maps, right? Like, uh, that's that's all I had, anyway. That's all I have. Interesting. So I, I guess we'll see what happens with Icebox. I mean, w- one thing that was kind of interesting in the betas of um, Valorant is they actually had to make some changes to certain maps. Uh, a site on Haven, uh, mid on split uh, areas that, you know, they, they had to change the geometry to make them uh, more friendly to attackers. I actually feel like Icebox... Um, might be friendly enough to attackers as is, so I'd be interested in seeing like uh, what their balancing philosophy is on that map. Uh huh. Yeah, it's I would weird be, to think I would about nerfs and buffs to... to a map, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I feel like if anything, they could stand to. I don't know if like add some sort of uh, maybe like a zip. They, I can't imagine them adding like a zip line to the back of that like uh, B site, the big yellow crate, just to make it so that you can't. Because that is that is the weird thing of like I wonder how uh, characters like Brimstone, when if you're gonna look for a smoke character uh, and there's one that can teleport on top of these boxes and like get some like wackier angles or have more unique uh, routes with the map, and then there's another character that like will never be able to get up on top of those things. Yeah, but maybe there are like things that we're not considering. Like imagine how good uh, Brimstone Ultimate is on clearing out kitchen. Yeah. Like, I know that it, it a lot of people a situation also situation where they literally cannot leave because kitchen is so confined. Yeah. So maybe there's you know things that we're not and Molly in general. Um, and also there's Sage. So uh, I know that Sage can boost anyone up anywhere. 
Uh, Sage can get yes. on top of that box. Like she can use her wall. Not to on get top up. of yellow. Yes, well, they, yeah, yeah, she, she can. actually can get on she top can. of yellow, but she has to get up on top of the on that other box. She gets up on that yeah. other box and be first. Yeah, All it's right. funny the way maps work. Where uh, I, I have this kind of layout in my head, and if if you're listening and you don't know what icebox is, then that they're, they're just like completely nonsensical. Like it doesn't make any sense to be like, oh yeah, that that B the large B box that you get up on the yellow crate. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. This is the, the podcast about the maps, uh, the podcast where I recommend people check out Noita. Uh, and it's called WTDG Podcast. This was our 250th episode. Is that true? Wow. Yeah, 250, 250, big number. Do you know what 250 uh, is if you double it? 500. That's that's fifth. We just finished five fifties. That's a lot of fifties. Um What's the deal with games? You know, that's that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, you can find us on your favorite streaming services, your your Apples, your Spotify's. You can find us online, wtdgpodcast.com. You can actually download the episodes from there uh, so that you can um, make a soundboard out of our voices. Thank you, Ryan Galloway and uh, Bumper. Bumper, I, 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 I Michelle. Say, yeah. And bump, I don't know why I, I how I forgot it for a second. For Pop Songs 2020, we use the intro and outro. You can get it, which I always am confused when I say it, but it's uh, it's one of my favorite from the albums. And uh, you can find them. I want. Oh, you know what? I want to. I want to get a more consistent like because I always say to go to YouTube, and from YouTube you can find the uh, how to get their merch, and you have to get the record or shirt quickly if it hasn't already sold out because it had sold out. Uh, very rapidly. Let's see. Bumper band merch. Uh, that's hellomerch.com slash collection slash bumper, uh, where you can pre-order one of. There is still a vinyl available for pre-order. Uh, there is still a shirt, and there is still a pin. I bet that pretty soon there won't be anything. I'm still waiting on my shirt where I can, I can wear that shirt around all the time. It's going to be the last yeah. shirt I need to own for a little while. Hell yeah. All right. Well, this is a, you know, I don't usually uh, say this, but what a great episode. What an episode. What a varied, what a varied episode. Just like the the maps we talked about. This episode was a, uh, it wasn't like a traditional FPS map, like a Valorant map or a Halo map, but it was like a King's Canyon or um, the Fortnite one where there was many different stops along the way different areas. I wonder if the Fortnite map has a name. No. Gumbers Island. Does not wait. The Fortnite map I don't think has a name. Anyone know Fortnite map name? No. It's codenamed Athena in the files, but there's no official name. There you go. Interesting. Uh, I got some names. Bikini Bottom says one person. Bob says another person. That's not a very good joke. Mappy. Codename Athena in the files. That doesn't mean that what its name, but its most official name we have, Venus. I like that people are kind of trying to. Uh, that's nice that people are kind of trying to put in their uh, two cents about what the map should be named. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye.